0: 1 Peter 4, verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. These words that I just read, they're a warning. A warning about a sure and certain judgment that will come to us. And they're a follow-on to the other warnings that God has given us just a few verses earlier. Especially the warnings regarding the sufferings that we will undergo as we are tested in our faith. And I'm convinced that it is essential that you and I receive this warning about judgment exactly as it's being given. And that we refrain from our too often rationalization of what these words might mean. What do I mean by that? Listen carefully to these words in verse 17 regarding this word judgment. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? As we listen to many of the sermons given today, both in churches and especially those given by many of the televised preachers, when the subjects of God's law and God's judgment are preached, we unfortunately are apt to hear a wide and varied explanation about what God really means about those matters. And it seems that more and more the message is one that tells us yes, yes, God will sometime in some day judge us for the things that we've done in this life. Yes, He'll do that. But because God is a God of love, He will somehow work it all out for us to get past any of the accountability for the sinful behaviors that have filled the days of our earthly existence. And then we will all be invited to come into heaven. In a recent conversation with a dearly loved family member, she voiced this very teaching. That God is love. God is a God of love. And she said, I cannot believe that a God of love would send people into an eternity in hell. I just know His love will somehow prevail. Now may I pause for a moment and ask you, what are your deeply held beliefs on this matter of judgment? Think about it for a moment. Verse 17 again. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. That's where we are. That's us. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now may I repeat what I said a moment ago. It seems that many people these days... People who confidently believe that they know the heart and the mind of God. People who are faithful attenders in churches. They can read and they can hear these words very clearly, but still somehow rationalize them to mean something other than what's being said. That yes, there really will be a day of judgment, but at that judgment, God will relent. He will relent and show grace and mercy to everyone. And He'll allow them all to come into heaven. As I listened to my beloved family member telling me her opinion about what God would do on Judgment Day, I knew very well what she was saying and why she was saying the words that she was saying. She's a mama. And she loves her children with all her heart. And though her children might be living their lives in rejection of Christ, not necessarily criminal or whatever, but just simply no interest in Christ, she as a loving mother is trying desperately to rationalize a way in which her children can do the things they do, but still be saved from an eternity in hell. And to do that, she must rationalize a way the possibility of a burning pit of hell. And rationalize a loving God who could not and would not condemn any person to an eternity in that kind of hell. And also, that manner of thinking helps us to be able to have a better opinion of God. Again, rationalizing that a God of love and a God of mercy and peace and grace does not really match up well with the concept of a God of justice. They don't seem to fit. And therefore you must give up one of those. And in order to have this God of love who will eventually make it possible for all my dear ones to get into heaven, we'll have to abandon the God of justice. Now, before we look further at what the Scriptures tell us about this matter of justice and judgment, may we ask ourselves, can such beliefs develop within our own souls, yours and mine? Is some semblance of that present even now? Are you able to sit in this church Sunday after Sunday listening to sermons that are being preached, but still walk out of here believing wrongly about words such as these. May I offer us a warning, and it's the same warning that God's giving to us here in this text. The warning is that yes, yes, you and I can listen and hear God's Word in even its purest of form. But because of the pressures, like those I mentioned a moment ago with my beloved family member. Your own thoughts will wonder and search and reach for those more pleasing answers to our dilemmas. And especially as mamas and daddies and grandparents. Our hopes can outrun God's truth. And our beliefs can bend in such a way as to give us the answers that we want rather than the real truth that's given here. Instead of our simply receiving these words and believing them in the way that they're given, our desperate hope takes charge. And we begin to remold and reshape these truths to fit the ends that we would most like to take place. But folks, listen. Listen. That sort of rationalization will seldom, if ever, really work out well. Here in the words of our text, we find God being very straightforward, very resolute in this declaration about judgment. Listen again. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, with we who hear His truth being given on a regular basis. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. A simple question. With these same doctrines of truth being given over and over again throughout these Scriptures. Why do we think that God finds it necessary to again, in these words, restate this warning about judgment? He's said it over and over again before. Why is He having to say it again? The implication is clear, and it's what is being said here now, that even the most earnest and devout people, us are able to sit in pews every Sunday, able to listen carefully to the preached Word, even perhaps be involved even more in activities or whatever might be going on in many of the churches. But as those difficult days of suffering begin to assail us, whatever they might be, our minds, their minds can reach to reinterpret some of the truths being given. And that's especially so with this matter of judgment. We cling desperately to this unbiblical hope that the God of love will somehow come through in the end and make everything turn out okay. But folks, the testing that God brings to us in these fiery trials that He mentioned there in verse 12, they have more than one purpose. And we have to understand that. That just as the testing in... Our school system not only reveals how well a student has learned the material, it also produces a grade that will be kept in that student's records to later be the basis of accountability for them. Now so also the testing of these fiery trials, they will reveal the truth about our beliefs that we hold in our hearts. But those tests will also produce a result. And those results will be, will be kept by God and will become a part of a permanent type record. A record that will be reviewed when each church member will stand before God in judgment. Now most people really don't like to hear that thought. That God actually does keep a record of our behaviors. Many preachers actually, probably across our land even today, They actually preach that that Jesus, the judge of all mankind, does not keep a record of wrong. That once they have made that all-important walk down the aisle and have prayed the sinner's prayer, that God remembers their sin against them no more. That He'll never discuss their sin with them again. And they, they quote, convenient verses such as the ones that tell us that our sins are removed as far from us as the east is from the west and also the verse that implies that God actually forgets about our sins. But folks, listen. For those few verses, there are so many, many others that tell us that God does deal with sin and righteousness and judgment. And all that we will do in this life will be brought to us in judgment, Listen to these words. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it be good or evil. Even the best things that we do will also be brought into judgment. Same words. This is in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. God's forgetfulness and His remembering of our sins no more and His removing of our sins as far as the east is from the west, that has to do with our guilt for those sins and the penalty that we owe for them. In our confession and in our repentance, Christ's blood removes that guilt and that penalty. But clearly from these scriptures that I just read, God doesn't just forget them. Much more needs to be done. He will bring everything that I have ever done to me in judgment, whether it be good or evil. I personally believe that God will bring to remembrance all of those things that I've done, whether they be good or evil, in order that I can look back. That I can look back and I can see all of His grace and love and mercy towards me. And I'll know for all eternity that yes, I was truly a wretched sinner. I was in need of a Savior. That even in my best of behavior, I was still not good enough to even take away one of those sins in my soul. That it really was absolutely necessary for Christ to come to my defense and to die on that cross so that I would not have to spend an eternity in the burning pit of hell. Folks, listen. For us to believe that God will just turn out to be this gentle old grandfatherly type judge who will be compelled by His love to simply say to every person, it's okay. It's okay. Come on in. We really need to go back and read the real truth that's given in these Scriptures. God will not be that kind of judge. He is God and He is absolutely holy and righteous. He cannot allow sin to remain in His presence. And sinful people will not Man, say again, will not be allowed to enter into heaven. Sin must be completely removed from a person's soul before they can step into God's presence. And there is only one way to remove that sin. Only one way, and that's through the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, think about that for a moment. If God is going to simply say, okay, on Judgment Day, then all of the wretched suffering that Christ did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin will have had no purpose whatsoever. It would have been a wasted effort, worthless. He suffered and died for nothing. And if that be true, then God is a liar. And He's untrustworthy. And He is not deserving of our worship. And we ought not be following after Christ. Our being in this church every Sunday is a silly waste of our time. But listen, the things that God has been telling us in these Scriptures are really the real truth. He has not lied to us. Christ's death on that cross was not wasted. There really will be a day of judgment. And Jesus will sit on His throne and He will be judging each one of us individually for the things that we've done in this life. You and I will come before His throne and be judged for everything, whether it be good or evil. Everyone will stand before Him. And there will surely be a just and due penalty paid for every unforgiven sin. Listen to these words. This is Matthew chapter 25. Beginning in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right, and the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then verse 41, Then He will also say to those on His left, Depart from Me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Judgment. Judgment will take place. My heart breaks for my beloved family member who has Read and heard these and other words like them so many, many times, but truly doesn't believe them. But folks, listen. The difficult truth is it really does not matter whether a person believes these truths or not. This will take place. This will take place. Covering our head in the sand and pretending for everything to be the way we really would love for it to be doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. And it will also not work out for those lost ones that we are simply hoping that our hope will get them through and that God will be merciful because of our hope. Our hope does not change that outcome. Those loved ones that my family member desperately hopes will be saved need exactly the same thing that you and I need. We all need the shed blood of Christ to cleanse us from our sin. That and that alone will gain us entrance into heaven. And also, please do understand this strong warning that's being given to all the many churches across our land. The warning to the household of God. Many of those households of God are filled to the brim with people, with thousands some of them. And here God warns that judgment will begin with us, with them, the household of God. He's saying to us that many of the things that take place within the walls and from the pulpits may not be in accordance with His truth. That wrong doctrines are often being taught. Scripture is often being misinterpreted. Souls are walking out the doors each Sunday believing things they should not believe. And so he warns us here that judgment will begin with us, with you and me. And for me especially, because I'm your pastor and I'm the shepherd of this small flock, I had better preach the truth of these words. And I better do it in such a way that you will have no misunderstanding of these words as you walk out that door today. It breaks my heart to think that any of you would someday stand before Christ in judgment and hear words like are given in Matthew 7. Listen, Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out demons? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them... I never knew you, Jesus said. I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Can you imagine the stunned look that many people will have on their faces on that judgment day? Confused and pleading, but for naught. Their time for redemption will have passed and they will have only the fires of hell to look forward to. And I pray that That will not be any of you, any of us. Folks, this warning is clear. Both to those of us who have Christ as our Savior and also to those who do not, those that are described here as being ungodly and sinners, you and I within the church must handle this truth of God so very carefully. We must not be confused by any of it And neither must we make it confusing as we give it on to others. As we pat them on the back and say, everything's going to be okay. When it's not going to be okay. Not the way that they're living. You and I must not confuse these dear ones with misspoken words. Their eternity might depend on our getting these truths right first within our own heart and then passing them on to them in a right manner. I plead with each of us to know the truth of these words. Listen as I close. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly? and the sinner. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. Let's pray.